Welcome to AM Now, where we bring you the trending accounting matters we're following. I'm your host, Adam Olson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Harger and Matt Fisser. Each bite-sized episode keeps you and your finance and accounting teams in the know. Join us each week as we unpack these issues, topics, and accounting matters now. You're listening to AM Now, an accounting matters podcast. I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Matt Fisser. We have a lot to catch up on this week around the world, and I do mean world, of sustainability reporting, with several updates from the EU, Australia, Brazil, and even the U.S., with the SEC chair holding a recent discussion on the SEC's climate rule. We'll hit pause on the sustainability reporting, but continue our discussion of the SEC, wrapping up the week, highlighting some of their key priorities that lay ahead in 2024. So Adam, where in the world should we start a sustainability discussion? Well, the EU takes top notch this week with the European Parliament recently moving forward with the finalization of the first 12 sector agnostic European Sustainability Reporting Standards, or ESRSs, following the close of the open scrutiny period, which ended recently on October 21st. Like a Bravo TV reality show, though, the end of the scrutiny period did not come drama-free as there was a last-ditch effort by some members of the European Parliament to try and sideline the finalization of the ESRS. The motion ultimately failed as it did not garner enough support. Now that this process is complete, the ESRSs are fully integrated into the European legal framework and will not require any transposition period, unlike the CSRD, which is currently being transposed into national law by each EU member state. EFRAG, who drafted the initial ESRSs, has indicated they will continue to provide ongoing support for successful implementation of the first set of sector agnostic ESRS. In the coming weeks, EFRAG will publish for public feedback several sets of implementation guidance on key topics, in particular, materiality assessment, value chain, and data points overview for the gap analysis. As part of the finalization of the first set of ESRSs by the European Parliament, the European Commission did announce plans for changes to future standard-setting activities on sustainability. These plans were outlined in their 2024 Commission work program. Most notably, they announced plans to postpone the adoption date of the sector-specific ESRSs by two years. These were originally set to be released next June in 2024. Postpone the non-EU parent reporting originally set to begin in 2028, and that's also by two years. And while things are moving swiftly in the EU, we also saw some more global developments around mandatory sustainability reporting in the past couple weeks, where two key jurisdictions advanced their use of the ISSB's global baseline for sustainability reporting. These jurisdictions, Australia and Brazil, each had several key developments. In Australia, the Australian Accounting Standards Board, or AASB, released an exposure draft detailing its standards for companies to report climate-related information. Under the exposure draft, large businesses will be required to adhere to these reporting standards starting in 2024, with smaller entities gradually complying over the following three years. While using the ISSB standards as a foundation, the AASB has made several proposed adjustments in its draft. These changes include narrowing the climate-related disclosure to pertain only to climate-related risks and opportunities linked to climate change, excluding emissions like ozone-depleting gases. The AASB's proposal also offers flexibility regarding Scope 3 value chain emissions, often the largest portion of a company's emissions, allowing companies to use prior period data if current period data is not available and reasonable. 
Additionally, the AASB's draft suggests including the 15 Scope 3 categories specified by the GHG protocol standards as examples for entities to consider, rather than mandating the disclosure of Scope 3 sources by all 15 categories as outlined in the ISSB standard. Unlike the IFRS standard, which mandates the financial institutions to disclose financed emissions, the Australian standard merely requires entities to consider the applicability of such additional disclosures. The AASB's draft also introduces a modification stating that entities concluding they are not exposed to significant climate-related risks or opportunities must disclose this determination and also explain how it was reached. The exposure draft is now available for public comment until March 1, 2024. Staying in the Southern Hemisphere, Brazil also advanced sustainability reporting requirements recently, specifically the Brazilian Ministry of Finance and the Comissão de Valores Mobiliários, or CVM, announced their intention to incorporate the International Sustainability Standards Board's ISSB's IFRS Sustainability Disclosure Standards into the Brazilian regulatory framework. This transition will move from voluntary use beginning in 2024 to mandatory use by July 1st of 2026. This move aims to enhance transparency regarding sustainability-related risks and opportunities in Brazilian capital markets, thereby attracting global investments. And the advancement in Brazil doesn't come as a huge surprise to those who have actually been following the requirements in the Latin region. In fact, Latin American jurisdictions have been leaders in mandating sustainability-related financial disclosures. For example, both Chile and Colombia have mandated use of the TCFD recommendations and SASB standards already, and standard setters in Mexico are also publicly discussing plans for adoption of the ISSB standards as part of their mandatory reporting requirements. With all this global standard setting and rulemaking, many are still wondering where the SEC is with their climate disclosure rule. As you'll recall, the SEC's regulatory agenda still indicates a rule will be issued this year. In fact, in October. And with that rapidly coming to a close, many are left wondering what's the latest. And while speculation is still drawing consensus that a rule will come out this year, we recently did hear from the SEC chair, Gary Gensler, who spoke on the matter at a U.S. Chamber of Commerce forum. Spoiler alert! Gensler did not specify a timeline for the completion of the climate-related reporting rule. At the core of his message, the SEC chair was adamant that investors support SEC's proposal for reporting Scope 3 value chain emissions by companies. Many view this overarching message to mean Scope 3 emissions reporting is likely to be included in the SEC's final rule. However, the precise details of supply chain emissions reporting requirements are still unclear. Some companies and smaller enterprises are raising concerns about the cost and disruption of complying with the new rules, while Gensler has his own concerns about staying within the SEC's mandate. Yeah, and Gensler emphasized that the SEC's primary goal is to assist investors in making informed investment decisions. The proposed rule has received significant feedback, as we've talked about previously, with a particular focus on emissions reporting, especially Scope 3 emissions. While investors largely support reporting on Scope 1 and 2 emissions, issuers have questions and concerns about Scope 3 reporting. To address these concerns, the SEC has adopted a tiered approach to Scope 3 reporting in its proposal, making it mandatory only if a company deems its material or has made a public commitment regarding its Scope 3 emissions. Despite the challenges related to Scope 3 reporting, Gensler did emphasize its importance for investors to manage risk. 
investors see understanding a company's supply chain emissions as critical for assessing transition risk and making future business decisions based on emissions data. It is worth noting that even if the SEC's rule does take a specific form, many U.S. public companies may still be required to provide Scope 3 disclosures under other regulatory reporting requirements, such as state laws in California and the EU's CSRD, both of which we have covered at large on AM Now and our sister podcast, Accounting Matters. Yeah, go check those out if you have more questions or want to know more. Closing us out for the week, we're taking a peek at what the SEC is planning to look at as part of their 2024 examination priorities. Earlier this month, the SEC's Division of Examinations released its 2024 priorities, and that outlines risks, key risks, examination topics, and priorities that will be in focus this upcoming year. So we're going to quickly look at what was outlined for various market participants and key risk areas that may impact investor or various market participants as well. For investment advisors, there will be a focus on reviewing their adherence to duty of care and duty of loyalty as fiduciaries. The Division of Examinations will continue to focus on investment advice provided for clients, as well as the processes for determining that advice is provided in the client's best interest. They continue to remain focused on the compliance programs, marketing practices, compensation arrangements, and valuation assessments. Additionally, areas of focus will be on safeguarding client information, assets, and records, and disclosure assessments and regulatory filings accuracy. The report also highlights specific focus for investment advisors to private funds that are similar to what was previously discussed, but they also include portfolio management risks, calculation and allocation of fund fees and expenses, and compliance with Advisors Act for regarding custody. For investment companies, evaluation of compliance programs, governance practices, disclosure to investors, and accuracy of reporting to the SEC are also in focus. Specifically, the report calls out advisor and fund fees, expenses, board approval processes and valuation practices that include fair value and derivatives risk management. As this is a brief overview and we don't have time to get into all the details, we want to note that there are other key focus areas outlined for broker-dealers, self-regulatory organizations, clearing agencies, and other market participants. Again, for sake of brevity, we do want to discuss key emerging risk areas that were included for investors or various market participants. So Adam, do you want to talk, take us through some of those? Sure, let's take a peek. So the key risk areas outlined were information security and operational resiliency, crypto assets and emerging financial technology, regulation systems, compliance and integrity, and anti-money laundering. When it comes to information security, the focus is on company cybersecurity, data privacy, and operational resiliency measures, including policies and procedures aimed at preventing service interruptions and protecting client data and assets. This should be no surprise with the SEC's recent rulemaking we've seen around cyber risk and cybersecurity. It also comes as no surprise that another risk area highlighted is over crypto assets and emerging financial technology specifically how companies involved with crypto assets meet and follow standards of conduct and compliance and reviewing risk disclosures and operational resiliency practices. With the emergence of artificial intelligence, the division did note that there is a focus on the risks associated with the use of emerging tech and the alternative sources of data. Another risk area is the regulation of Systems Compliance and Integrity, or SCI, and whether SCI entities have policies and procedures to ensure security and resilience of their systems and that they meet the requirements of regulation, SCI. Finally, when it comes to broker-dealers and certain registered investment companies, the report discusses the establishment of anti-money laundering programs that are tailored to address company-specific anti-money laundering risks. 
The division will continue to focus on whether these companies are also conducting independent testing, establishing adequate customer identification programs, and are meeting their suspicious activity report filing obligations. And that rounds us out for the week. For a deeper dive into what's trending in accounting and finance, check out our other podcasts on the Accounting Matters feed on your preferred listening platform. Again, I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Matt Fisser. Thanks for listening to AM Now. We'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.